Hello, witchy friends. Welcome to Cat Steen Witchcraft. My name is Fauna, and I am your host. This podcast is for those who are Wiccan, witches, and everything in between. Don't forget to follow the podcast social media pages at Cats Tea and Witchcraft on Instagram, Cats Tea and Witch on Twitter, and Cats Tea and Witchcraft Podcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening to Cats Tea and Witchcraft and enjoy the episode. Hello, witchy peeps. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 109, and today's topic is on magical consent. But before we get into that topic, we have this week's crystal, which is fluorite. The first book I'm going to use to reference fluorite is Simply Crystals by Cass and Janie Jackson, starting on page 96. It says fluorite. In its clear version, fluorite can sometimes be mistaken for a diamond. Like celestite, fluorite is regarded as a New Age stone. Sources include Australia, North and South America, Great Britain, Germany, China, and Mexico. Fluorite comes in blue, green, purple, yellow, and brown in addition to the clear variety mentioned above. Blue John is a type of fluorite, and the green version is sometimes known as African emerald. It is also known as fluorospar. This crystal is widely available and inexpensive. Almost nothing is known about the historical uses of fluorite, but today it is believed that the clear variety will clarify thinking and produce positive action. It is thought to strengthen the teeth and bones and to be extremely protective, particularly on the psychic level. Fluorite is also considered to be extremely effective as a protection against negative vibrations from computers and other similar machines. The next book I have is The Essential Guide to Crystals by Simon and Sue Lilly and starting on page 198. It says, Fluorite. Although this mineral comes in many colors, rich purple is the most common. It was the first mineral to show fluorescence under certain lighting and gave its name to the phenomenon. It also forms fascinating shapes, cubic crystals often coated with other minerals such as calcite, quartz, or pyrite. Fluorite is an important component in many industrial processes, such as glass and steel making. Notably, sources are from the UK, Germany, Italy, Switzerland, and the United States. For identification and care, it says fluorite crystals are found in stepped tubes that look like miniature cities. Singular octahedral crystals occur naturally, but most examples on sale are artificial. For magic, it says it encourages innovation and invention. It helps in planning and coordinating resources. For healing functions, it says it supports healthy bone tissue and physical structures of all organs, helps us to master physical skills and improve dexterity and balance, encourages a sense of self-worth, facilitates new ideas and understanding of fine levels of awareness. The third book I have for fluorite is Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Crystals, Gem, and Metal Magic. And starting on page 112, it says fluorite, energy, projective, powers, mental powers, magical uses. Fluorite is one of the new age stones. It is becoming increasingly easier to obtain in stores. Fluorite is found in various colors and in masses of interlocking, interpenetrating cubes. Single crystals that resemble two 
pyramids fused together at their bases are available for sale as well. This stone has no long history of magical uses. Its influences are only now being discovered. In general, however, fluorite seems to work with the conscious mind. It is useful for strengthening your thoughts, for reducing emotional involvement in a situation or order to gain more accurate perspective. It strengthens its user's analytical abilities and is useful for theorizing and assimilating information. Because it affects the conscious intellectual mind, fluorite quells strong, often emotions and soothes thought over angry sea of desperation, depression, or anger. Some workers use fluorite to strengthen the effects of other stones. The next book I have is Love is in the Earth by Melody and starting on page 277. It says, fluorite crystallizes in the form of masses, grains, columns, cubes, octahedra, and and another form, and I honestly don't even know how to pronounce this word, but it is spelled R-H-O-M-B-D-O-D-E-C-A-H-E-D-R-A, crystals. The color range includes pink, blue, green, yellow, purple, magenta, red, black, and colorless, and shades of all. This mineral produces an energy which is predisposed to discourage chaotic, disruptive, and disorganized growth, and emits an energy which can be used to stabilize and to produce order within the mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual systems. It can be used to bring order to chaos. It increases the ability to concentrate, balancing the positive and negative relationships of the mind. It helps one to see both reality and the truth behind illusion. The energy of fluorite can inspire the universal energies to activate the nourishing energy of the body, assisting one in the attainment and ultimate state of physical perfection. It allows one to recognize the purity of the universe and to understand that each portion of the universe maintains an inherent perfection in order to allow the unfolding of the perfect universe. The last book I have for you today is Llewellyn's Complete Book of Correspondence by Sandra Kynes and this starts on 228 and it says for fluorite, zodiac, Aquarius, Capricorn, Gemini, and Pisces, solar system mercury and neptune elements earth and water energy yang directions north south for chakras brow for issues intentions and powers it says to activate and awaken anger astral realm balance beginnings calm cheerfulness communications concentration and focus consciousness creativity self-discipline divination dream work Emotions, boosts energy, goals, grief, grounding, guardian, guidance, spiritual healing, illumination, improvement, intuition, life, luck, the analytical mind, motivation, mental power, self-worth, strength, business success, trust, well-being, and willpower. So this is all I have for you today on the topic of fluorite. Now on to the main topic of magical consent. So this topic of ethics and consent and stuff, I hope isn't necessarily new to people, especially when it comes to the word and the use in actually participating in the use and everything of consent. This is definitely an episode that goes over ethics and choices and opinions, and even my own opinion, 
that some people might not like because it may or may not go against how they choose or how they feel about what they decide on what they do with their magic. Technically, there are no rules in magic, but in cultures, in societies, in countries, there are rules. And sometimes those rules get absorbed into people's magical processes and their own ethical choices. So this is one of those topics. So if you are not interested in me possibly saying some things may be good or bad and you don't like that, this might not be the episode for you. And I'm not saying good or bad magic. I'm saying just good or bad choices that people make. And sometimes that gets attached to magic, but there are such things as people making bad choices. So just in case you are not familiar with what the definition of consent means, I have a few of them from Merriam-Webster and dictionary.cambridge.org. The first one from Merriam-Webster says to give assent or approval or to agree. And the second one is agreement as to action or opinion. And then from dictionary.cambridge.com, it says permission or agreement. So essentially, consent means someone agrees to something. And that's really not a hard concept. But depending on what consent is attached to, sometimes that is when people have a problem with their word. And in the modern world, there's a lot of issues that people have or what goes around in regards to this word, unfortunately, because sometimes people want to do things to or with or for people without their agreement or without their permission. So now that we are all on the same point, understanding what the dictionary definition of consent is, let's talk about how it affects us in our lives. So why is consent important? Having or giving consent is an important part of communication. It helps respect others and making sure people are on the same page for a variety of topics and purposes. Some examples of consent being given and why it is important is you need consent to borrow something from someone. Otherwise, it could technically be considered stealing even if your intent was just to borrow maybe something from your partner or you're from your siblings. But if it's not given back or maybe they didn't want you to use it, that can cause some problems. Or if you knew you weren't supposed to take it and you still took it, you took it without their consent, without their permission. And it is stealing, technically. Next example is you need sober consent with someone to have intimate relations with them or to physically touch them. You also need consent to make life-altering changes or choices that will affect other adults in your life, especially when you share responsibilities, duties, families, etc., so those are just a few examples of why consent is important in different aspects of people's lives. It's not the only examples of why and how consent is needed or important or should be used, but those are just some big ones that people will understand and should get consent for. So if someone says no to something, they are not giving you consent. And you should generally respect that. 
The times when someone says no and you don't listen to situations where not doing something would actually cause them harm, break the law, etc. So it all depends on the situation. Sometimes executive decisions need to be made to help with people's safety. So honestly, if someone is drinking and they want to drive, I would say take their keys from them. Do whatever you need to prevent them to drive no matter how much they tell you they are fine and they can drive. If you know someone is drunk, do not let them drive. Even though they don't give you the consent to take their keys, please take their keys. That is one of the examples of keeping someone safe. Sometimes, depending on a situation, that might be easier said than done. But please, for that particular situation, as an example of when you may need to make an executive decision to try to not get someone's consent for their safety and other people's safety in the long run, do your best. Sometimes things, like I said, are easier said than done, but just do your best. Okay, so what does any of this have to do with magic? It comes back down to something I have mentioned before. But I wanted to particularly focus on the word consent today and how consent can make or break what you do or don't do within your craft. Having or giving consent, in my opinion, is important. A lot of the time, what has to be done in magic may or may not require someone else's permission to do it. If someone tells you they do not want you to do magic for or on them, That means they did not give you consent. If someone tells you not to pray for them, but they may or may not know you're a witch, I would also say that is not giving you consent to do magic for them. Just because they're missing a little bit of information to them, they may think praying and doing magic may be the same thing, and it may make them feel uncomfortable. Even if it technically helps them, they did not give you the consent to do magic for or on them. So why is possibly following the idea of consent important in magic? It all comes to the idea of having boundaries and respecting other people's boundaries. Respecting people's boundaries is important. It is how you maintain relationships and going behind someone's back and doing something knowing they wouldn't want you to do it, even if you may or may not have asked, or they specifically request you not to do something, is wrong if you go behind their back. You broke their trust. You didn't respect their boundary, and they did not give you consent. For some people, if they told you not to do a spell for them or on them, if they find out you did, that may break their trust in you and may also make them feel like you violated their body autonomy. You violated their trust. You either tried to manipulate a situation or possibly them as a person to get a result you thought may or may not would have benefited them or also you. So what if they don't know you do magic or what if you are still withholding that aspect of yourself from them? Hopefully you know your friends and family well enough to know how they feel about certain things. If you know someone is open to prayers and is an open-minded individual and hasn't specifically said anything negative or harmful in regards to magic or witches and are open to new things and ideas, I would say that maybe lighting a candle, doing a meditation, and possibly a petition spell to help them may be okay. But it all depends on the situation. But hopefully you know them well enough to make the best choice for you and them. 
One example that we have heard on this podcast episode before was provided by the Divine Wu. She told us a story of how she knew someone, I think, that didn't get permission to do a healing spell for someone they knew who was sick. In result, that person experienced extreme pain and didn't know why. But in the end, it ended up being because of the spell. Even though the spell is technically helping them heal, healing can be extremely painful. So even though their intent was to help this individual, they were actually causing extreme pain to this person. So at what point should you or should you not make that decision, especially if that person may have not wanted that help or didn't give permission to do a spell on or for them? Another very common example that people have in regards to why if you don't have permission to do something or a spell for or on someone may cause troubles and that involves love spells and doing love spells on people that are not aware of it. If your intent is to do a spell on someone to force them to be with you or someone else, you are technically violating their bodily autonomy because they did not give consent. They did not give Permission for you to attempt to alter their actions, mind, and body. If you wouldn't want for someone to kiss or try to have sex with you or touch you and you did not give them the consent, that is sexual assault. Also, forcing someone to say yes because of a very awkward situation. Sometimes people who are uncomfortable, they will say yes when they want to say no just for their safety. So. Forcing someone to say yes with magic isn't very far off of making someone say yes by putting them into a compromising situation just for their safety. Forcing a yes or forcing a non-sober yes is not consent. And being magically forced is not consent. Okay? So think about how you would not force someone to have sexual relations with you without their permission, why would you do that with magic? So now I'm going to go over a couple examples that may or may not be on people's minds in various situations where sometimes you're not always going to have or be able to get consent, but you may need to make an executive decision. When it comes to your protection and and safety, this is where it gets a little different in when you have to come up with those executive choices. So say you want to break up with someone or you want someone to leave you alone and someone may be bullying you, harassing you, or maybe your children and your family or something of along those lines, something you did not give them consent to do. Say you want to remove them from your life, banish them, or have them stop doing something to you. Do the spell. You do not need magical consent to protect yourself. The safety of your mind, soul, brain, and body, and family is more important than you getting permission from your abuser or your harasser. When they chose to abuse or harass someone, they essentially need to realize that their actions have consequences and there probably will be retaliation for people to protect themselves or protect others. Just because you may be a particular practitioner and have ethical choices that you don't want to harm others, don't let others harm you. Once they attempt to harm you, do not be a doormat. Do not let someone just walk all over you and take advantage of you. That is not cool. That is not healthy and that is not beneficial to you, your family, and everyone around you. 
So also the next example is what if you have underage children and they are being bullied and you want to do magic for them or there's a situation involving you wanting to do a healing spell for your children because they are sick. Say you're doing also taking them to the doctors and everything but you want to kind of give them a emotional or a spiritual or energetic boost. When it comes to taking care of your young children and if the magic helps you do that along with also taking the mundane actions, I would say do the magic unless you see results that do the opposite or they have specifically asked you not to. Because some kids are very aware of their situations and they know what they do and do not like. I would say as they get older, you definitely want to have more of a conversation with them because they are learning their body autonomy they are learning about respecting themselves and respecting others and they would also want you to respect their choices as well so that is another situation that could vary from situation to situation so overall consent is something that is also important to a lot of people's magical ethical choices and many cases in my opinion you should get consent when doing magical for or on other people. But that doesn't mean you should not do magic to protect yourself from other people and their actions. Once someone attempts to harm you, game on. I know sometimes people worry about karma threefold, thing else in regards to what will happen if someone hurts you in other routes that may be taken. That is still your choice, but banishing someone from your life honestly will probably be beneficial for both parties. But in the situations that's not about protecting your yourself, friends, or family, if you are choosing to do magic on people that may or may not give you permission, please think long and hard before you do that because like some of the examples I gave you could actually be violating people's trust in you, violating their body, and be a very bad situation. So this is all I have for you guys today on this topic. I hope you either learned something or it just kind of got your brain churning with questions for yourself or others or just something you might want to look more into. You might not agree with what I said, but that is okay. I let you know in the beginning that this had a lot of my own opinions in it. And it's not technically an educational book besides the crystals kind of topic, but it is something that involves the cultural choices of people in respecting others today and how we should treat others. We shouldn't just be assholes. Like, don't be an asshole. Don't be a dick. Treat others with respect. Treat yourself with respect. And kind of take some time to think about your actions and what you do for yourself and other people before you do them. Because maybe you might decide it's not the best choice. So, again, like I say every week, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I appreciate every single one of you. Have a great one. Blessed be.